ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم ما بعد we continue with the explanation of the 40 hadith of al-imam an-nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala and we arrive to al-hadith al-thalith عن ابي عبد الرحمن عبد الله بن عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنهما قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول بني الاسلام على خمس شهاده ان لا اله الا الله وان محمدا عبده ورسوله واقام الصلاه وايتاء الزكاه وحج البيت وصوم رمضان اخرجه البخاري ومسلم The narration is on the authority of the father of Abdul Rahman Abdullah the son of Umar ibn al-Khattab may Allah be pleased with them both He said I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam say Islam is built upon five testimony that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his servant and messenger the establishment of the prayer the payment of or the giving of the zakat making the pilgrimage to the house and fasting in the month of Ramadan we covet that the scholars of al-islam they are in agreement that whoever abandons and rejects the two testimonies of faith, then the person is not a Muslim. For the key to enter into the fold of Al-Islam is with the Shahada. As the Prophet ﷺ, he went to visit his uncle while his uncle was upon his deathbed. And he called his uncle Abu Talib to Islam. He said, Ya Am, Qul la ilaha illallah, kalima, uhaju biha, laka indallahi yawm al-qiyamah. Oh my uncle, say la ilaha illallah. Testify to la ilaha illallah. A statement, that I can defend you with in front of Allah on the day of judgment. And Abu Jahali said to him, Ataraghab an millati Abdul Muttalib. Are you going to desire or turn away from the religion of your father, Abdul Muttalib? And the Prophet repeated, calling him to la ilaha illallah. Until Abu Talib declared, that he was upon the religion of his father, Abdul Muttalib, and that is the worshipping of idols, and associating partners with Allah Azawajal. And he refused to say, La ilaha illallah. So he died as a disbeliever. As for 
the shafa'a of the Prophet ﷺ for his uncle, and he had a khas lahu. This is something that is specific for the Prophet ﷺ, that he'll be allowed to intercede on behalf of his uncle Abu Talib to lighten his punishment. To lighten his punishment. That he will not come out of the hellfire. But his punishment will be light. He will be in like in a shallow part of the hellfire. And his feet will be burned with the stones or the pebbles of the fire and will boil his brain. But it's a severe punishment. But he will not come out of the fire. Because he refused to say La ilaha illallah. And he understood that saying La ilaha illallah meant that he had to denounce the worship of the false deities. As Allah Azawajal mentions that the polytheists of the Quraysh they said in response to the Prophet's call to La ilaha illallah أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا إِنَّ هَذَا لَشَيْرٌ عُجَالٌ Does he make all of the gods to just be one god that is worshipped? Indeed, this is a strange thing. But the Prophet, he called them. Like in the narration with the Prophet ﷺ, he went amongst the marketplace of the Suq in Mina, and he said, Ya qawmi, kulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu. Oh my people, say la ilaha illallah, you'll be successful. So the Prophet ﷺ, he called the people to testify to la ilaha illallah. Even when he said Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiyallahu anta Yemen. And he told Mu'adh that the first thing that you call him to be what? The shahada of la ilaha illallah. Now, when we covered what is connected to la ilaha illallah as it relates to the conditions and that it entails negation and affirmation. And the statement, وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ And that Muhammad وسلم, is his servant and his messenger. These two statements here indicates the balance of Al-Islam. As Allah mentions, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا And likewise we have made you a just and balanced nation. And it's the deen of Islam is free from extremism and it is free from negligence. So in the statement of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, and that the person testifies that Muhammad wasallam is his servant and his messenger, this here is a protection from extremism and from negligence. We testify that the Prophet Muhammad is the servant of Allah. Why? So that we do not raise him above his level. As we find people who have raised human beings above their level to the point that they worship these human beings besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in the statement of the Prophet Muhammad that the testimony is to testify that he is a servant of Allah, that means that he is not to be worshipped. He is a slave, a servant of Allah, he's not to be worshipped. So that's the protection from extremism. We don't raise the Prophet above his level to the point we begin to make dua to him, to the point we begin to worship him. 
and other than that. But at the same time, we have to be careful of the negligence. Because he is a messenger. He is a messenger. And what Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned about the messenger, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ and we have not sent a messenger except to be obeyed by the permission of Allah. So he's the servant of Allah, he's not to be worshipped. And he's the messenger of Allah, he's not to be disobeyed. That's balance, that's the middle course. And in everything that we do, we should always seek to take the middle course. And in that which we believe, we take the middle course. And the things that we practice in the deen. We take the middle course. Staying away from extremism, staying away from negligence. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he mentioned that whenever Allah commands with a commandment, the shaitan approaches the servant as it relates to this commandment from two angles. One of them is extremism and the other one is negligence. And he doesn't care which one that you fall into. Doesn't care. Because both are paths of misguidance. If you're extreme, you're upon misguidance. And if you are negligent, you are upon misguidance. Rather, we have to be balanced. No extremism, no negligence. Following what Allah Azza wa Jal has revealed. So in saying that, we testify the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu is the servant of Allah and his messenger. This is a testimony that protects the Muslim from extremism and negligence, but he has to understand what is intended here. The next matter was Iqamah Salah and the establishment of the prayer. And we covered that the ulama of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they have differed as it relates to the one who abandons the Salah out of laziness and negligence, but acknowledging the obligation. You have a group of scholars who hold that the one who abandons the salah out of laziness and negligence, acknowledging the obligation that this person is still a Muslim, but he is committing a severe or major sin in his abandonment of the salah. And you have other sunnah scholars, they say, rather he has left the fold of Islam, and even if he acknowledges the obligation of the prayer. But they all are in agreement that whoever denies the obligation of praying five times a day, then the person is not a Muslim. <clears throat> and in the event, the establishment of the prayer is very important in the life of the Muslim. For this is the connection that the Muslim has with his Lord. And the Prophet ﷺ established that this is what distinguishes the Muslim from the non-Muslim. The prayer. As we have in the narration, Bayna Rajul wa Bayna Shirk wal Kufr Farkus Salah. That which comes between a man, between polytheism and disbelief, is the abandonment of the Salah. Meaning that as long as the individual is establishing the Salah, then his Islam is established. But once he abandons the salah, then now there's no barrier between him and disbelief and polytheism. Because one known characteristic 
of the polytheists and the disbelievers, they don't pray five times a day as the Prophet ﷺ prayed. That's a fact. This is only the description of the Muslim. So it's very important, regardless if you hold the opinion that the one who acknowledges the obligation but he abandons the prayer out of laziness and negligence, he's still a Muslim. Even if you hold that opinion, and this is one of the opinions of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, one should not take this, this matter lightly, the abandonment of the prayer. Especially when you have the words of shirk and kufr being mentioned, connected with the abandonment of the prayer. This shows that this is a severe matter, that this is not a light situation. Another statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam: "Al-ahdu al-ladhi bainana wa bainahum as-salah, faman tarakha faqad kafara." That the covenant or that barrier which is between us and them is the prayer. Therefore, whoever abandons the prayer, he has disbelieved. So this here, barakallahu fiqum, establishes the importance of the establishment of the prayer. And also another point was intended by the establishment of the prayer is praying the prayer as Allah has commanded us to pray the prayer. And we have the hadith where the Prophet wasallam he said, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli Pray the way you see me pray. The ulama, they state, from the establishment of the prayer is praying the prayer at the proper time and not allowing the time to go out and whoever allows the time of the prayer to go out intentionally without praying the prayer and he does not have a valid excuse this person has committed a major sin person has committed a major sin in al-Islam. And some of the ulama, they hold that you can't even make up that salah. They say because the qada is only for two reasons. What are they? Sleeping and forgetting. This is a position from some of the ulama. They say the only way you can make up a prayer is if you overslept or you forgot. And that goes back to the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam That whoever overslept the prayer or he forgot as it, it happens, a person can be busy and it slipped his mind to pray. And then he realized, subhanAllah, I didn't even pray duha today and it's asa time. No, you go ahead and pray your duha. Because this wasn't intentional. This was forgetfulness. And what we say, as Allah Azza wa Jal, He revealed at the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, Rabbana la tu'akhidna in nasina aw akhta'na. Our Lord, do not hold us to account if we forget or we make a mistake. I mean, it's not intentional. So the person, he forgets, he oversleeps, or he forgets. The Prophet ﷺ said, let him pray when he wakes up. 
or when he remembers. And there is no making up for the prayer except for that. There's no qada for the prayer except for that. But you have others from the scholar, they say, he has to make it up even though it doesn't count. SubhanAllah. Because the salah is ibadah mu'aqqata. It's an ibadah that is based upon time. And those types of worship that are connected to specific time, and it is from the conditions of that worship that it has to be done at a certain time, if that act of worship is done outside of the proper time without a justified reason, it's not accepted. And so this is a serious affair as it relates to the establishment of the prayer. So the, one of the meanings is praying the prayer on time. And if you refer back to the Sahih or the books of Hadith, you will find the, in the book of Salah, the Hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam, when he came and he taught the Prophet sallallahu the times of prayer. And he came two days. The first day he came was at the beginning of the time. So for Fajr, on the first day, he came right at the crack of dawn. And then for Dhuhr, he came when the sun started to decline from its peak. And you start to see the shadow. And then he came for Asr when the, uh, the sun had reached the length of the person. And he came for Maghrib as soon as the sun is set. And then he came for Isha as soon as the shafaq, the retinas, disappeared. And then on the second day, he came for Fajr. It was light outside, but the sun didn't rise yet. And then he came for Duha right before the shadow reached the length of the person. And then he came for Asr before the sun set. And then Maghrib, if I'm not mistaken, it mentions like the same time. And then for Isha, and this is very important, for Isha, he came at what time? Before Fajr? What time did Jibreel alayhi salam come? On the second day for Isha. Before Fajr, what you say? Before Fajr? Before Fajr? What time? He came at midnight. Muntasif al-Layl. This is something that many people, they are not aware of. The time of Isha is between, or the, from the time that the redness disappears up to midnight. And not 12 o'clock midnight. Midnight meaning the midway point between Maghrib and Fajr. The middle of that time is midnight. As for the time of Isha extending up into the time of Fajr, that's when there's a reason or need. Other than that, if you don't have no justified reason, Isha ends at midnight. Hmm? You measure it. Say that again. Did you pray Isha before you go to sleep? Yeah. I didn't come out. You have it. You prayed it on time. Meaning from no. Sometimes depending on the season, it may be twelve o'clock. Depends on the season because we know the time changes. But how you measure midnight? is the time that Maghrib comes in to the time of Fajr. Count the time. And the midway point is midnight. 
Right now, midnight is like around maybe by 12, 15, maybe a little bit after. So it's not just 12 all the time. Midnight for us is always 12. But according to the narration, what's intended is the midway point between Maghrib and Fajr. Because nighttime begins at when? when? Huh? Yeah, when does nighttime begin? Maghrib time. Nighttime doesn't begin with Isha time. It starts. If that's the case, then we wouldn't be breaking our fast at what time? Maghrib. Right? We, when we, when Maghrib comes in, we putting the dates in our fast. <laughs> and Allah mentions and, and complete your fast until the night. Night here is Maghrib. So Maghrib is the beginning of the night. And once Fajr comes in, the night has ended. So that's the time. So the midway point, according to the hadith where Jibril is teaching the Prophet wasallam, the salah, then Isha ends at midnight. As for the narration, that the prayer extends until the next prayer comes, that's not for every salah. Because look at Fajr. Fajr doesn't extend until Buhu. Right? So there are exceptions to that narration. So there's no contradiction between the narrations. Rather, like Duhur goes from Duhur until Asr. And Asr goes from Asr until Maghrib. And Maghrib goes from Maghrib until Isha. So Isha goes from Isha to midnight. And Fajr goes from Fajr until the disk of the sun appears. I mean, this is the sun. As soon as you see that over the horizon, that's it. The time has gone out. Some people think Fajr is out once the sun is up over the horizon. No, no, no. As soon as the disk of the sun appears, the time of Fajr is out. And the opposite for Maghrib. Maghrib is not in until the entire sun disappears. Even though it's still light, once the sun has disappeared beyond the horizon, Maghrib is in. Maghrib is in. Another meaning of Iqamah Salah, Iqamatuha bi adaiha kama amar Allahu bi ihsani adaiha bi ma'ana al ityan biha ala ahsan al wujuh bil ityan bil wajibat fiha wa hadha wajib wal ityan bima zada ala dalik min al sunan. Also from the establishment of the prayer is establishing the prayer as Allah has commanded by carrying it out in the best manner possible. And what is meant by this is fulfilling the obligations as Allah has commanded. And this is obligatory. And you can beautify or add to the beauty of your prayer by doing that which is recommended. So you have arkan of the prayer, you have wajibat of the prayer, and you have the sunan of the prayer. The arkan and the wajibat, they have to be fulfilled. You cannot leave those things off intentionally. And then arkan, or rukan, if you leave it off, even forget by mistake, you still have to do it. Different from a wajibat. But the point of the shahid is that the establishment of the prayer is just not getting up and just praying. No, it's praying the way Allah has commanded us to pray. And the third matter, which is intended 
by the establishment of the prayer, Iqamatuha bil mudawama alayha. Establishing the prayer by being consistent in praying. There should never come a time when a person abandons his salah. The salah is different from the other acts of ibadah. Look at it. If you're poor, you don't pay zakat. You're sick, you don't fast, Ramadan. Depending on what type of sickness, you may never have to fast. You may not, have to, you may not ever have to make up the days, depending on your sickness. Hajj, if you're poor, you have no ways to get to Saudi, to Mecca, to make the Hajj. You're not obligated. A woman doesn't have a mahram to travel with her. She's not obligated to make Hajj. A man is poor, doesn't have, he's not obligated to make Hajj. A person is sick, can't, can't make the trip. Not obligated to make Hajj. But the Salat, you always have to pray. Always have to pray. As the Prophet mentioned to the, the companion, he had hemorrhoids. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said to him, Salli qa'iman, fa'in lam tastatir, fa'qa'idan. Fa'in lam tastatir, ala jam. Pray standing. Can't stand, pray sitting. Can't sit, pray lying down on your side. You can't do that, pray lying down on your back. The salat is something that the person is never excused from making. Imam al-Shawqani, rahimahullah ta'ala, he was of the opinion that if a person cannot move his head, then he doesn't have to make salat. The other ulama, they said, no, this is incorrect. Even if the person cannot move his head, he still has to go through the salat in his mind that he's praying. Person may be paralyzed. Person may be paralyzed and he can't move. His eyes, that's it. Now he has to pray still. He has to pray. So this here, Barakallah Fikum, is an indication of the importance of this salat. So don't be negligent with your prayers. For the prayer, Barakallah Fikum, look what Allah says, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَلَى الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Indeed, the prayer prohibits the person from indecency and evil. This is one of the benefits of the prayer. And before that, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, أَوَّلْ مَا يُحَاسَبْ عَلَيْهِ الْعَبْدِ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ الصَّلَاةِ The first thing, that the servant is going to be held accountable for, meaning from the acts of ibadah, is the prayer. The first thing we want to be questioned about as it relates to our worship, the prayer. If the prayer is sound, then the rest of the deeds, by Allah's permission, will be sound. But if the prayer is not intact, then more than likely, the rest of the deeds will not be intact. Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ayyul amali ahabu ilallah. O Messenger of Allah, would these are most beloved to Allah? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, As-salaa ala waqtiha. 
praying the prayer at the proper time. He said, Thumma'i. He said, then what? The Prophet Sallallahu said, Birru walidayn. Being uh, dutiful to the parents. He said, Thumma'i, then what? He said, Jihad fi sabilillah. Striving for the sake of Allah. One of the common, uh, uh, the scholars who commented on this hadith, he brought a beautiful point. He said, if a person doesn't make salah on time, more than likely they won't do anything else on time. And if a person doesn't respect his parents, more than likely he's not going to respect anyone else. And if a person doesn't strive to please Allah, then more than likely he will not strive for anything else. Very important. But look at the, the top, the first not I mentioned, the prayers. The prayer. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was on his deathbed saying, As-salah, as-salah. The prayer, the prayer. I mean, take care of the prayer, take care of the prayer. Allah says, Qada aflih al-mu'minun. Right? Successful indeed are the believers. What's the first description mentioned? Huh? What's the first description mentioned? Alladhinahum fi salatihim. Those who have pushed. Pray again. There's so many texts that, that establish the importance of the prayer in the life of the Muslim. But yet, yes. With the, is that on time? It's the, the possible reason for that, those communities who pray like an hour after the time. Uh, these are our brothers in Alano's best. More than likely they are from those who follow the madhab of Imam Abu Hanifa. And in that madhab, you find the position that the Asa prayer comes in when the shadow is double the length. So you find them praying an hour later. But the prayer is on time. As going back to the hadith of Jibreel when he was teaching the Prophet when he came on the second day and he prayed that last prayer with him, he said, That the prayer is in between these two times. So you have a time limit. You have a time frame, I should say, to pray the prayer. But one should be mindful there are times, like for instance with the Asa prayer, one should not intentionally wait until the sun is about to set and then get up and pray for Rakah. The Prophet said that that's the prayer of the Munafiq. That he waits until the sun is about to set between the two horns of the shaitan and then he pecks like a chicken. On a, you know how a chicken? When he, right? That's how the person... Right? The, the speed race of Salah. Right? How can a person pray like that? As a matter of fact, that is no prayer. Because a man came in the time of the Prophet ﷺ to the Mashir and he prayed. And then he came and said to the Prophet ﷺ, As-salamu The Prophet said, Wa alayka as-salam. Irajat fa-salli fa-inna to salli. Go back and pray for you haven't prayed. So the man, he went back and he prayed. And he came, As-salamu alaykum, wa alaykum as-salam, irujah fa-salli fa-inna kalam tu salli. Go back and pray for you, have three times. 
And so he mentioned, like, I can't do no better than this by, by Allah. So then the Prophet ﷺ began to teach him. And one of the things the Prophet mentioned was being at ease. Being at ease as he's going from position to position. Not speeding through the salat. We have some people, they go into ruku and so they don't even, their, their bones don't lock in place. Soon as they come right back up. As they're saying, Subhanahu Rabbi al they're coming up. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Or a person, he puts his head down to make sujood, and before, and as he's saying, Subhanallah, he's coming up. Subhanahu Rabbi al One, the first one. That, that that's not a prayer. That salat don't count. The person has to be at ease. Go down. Be at ease. Come back up. Be at ease. Go into prostration. Be at ease. The bones have to go into their places, and then you sit up. Bones have to go into their places. You have to have that the the um, the You have to have the tranquility and the ease as you're going from position to position. But race to the prayer, doing like this. This is not the salat for the Prophet sallallahu commanded the Sahabi irjat for salli for innaka lam to salli. Go back and pray for you haven't prayed. So we have to be very careful when it comes to our prayers and not rush. The prayers. The Prophet sallallahu he loved to pray, and he mentioned Ju'ilat qurrutu aini fissalah or qurrutu aini fissalah that the coolness of my two eyes has been placed in the prayer. Meaning, he found ease and relief in the prayer. And there's a narration that mentions that when things troubled the Prophet Sallallahu when he would worry or go through some type of stress, he would go and pray to Raqqa. But what we find people doing, they go get cigarettes, right? No, seriously. They get stressed out. Go get a cigarette, walk around the block. That's increasing the stress from the wasting of the, the, the money to buy the cigarettes from killing yourself with the smoke, possibly harming others, just sin on top of sin. This is not the way to deal with some people, they go to the liquor store and get a bottle of liquor, right? Some people go up to Harlem and go buy some crack and take a hit. Some people shoot heroin, some people sniff coke. Some people get stressed out, they go home and start beating on their wife and kids, this is not, the way to relieve stress in Islam. The Prophet ﷺ taught us by way of his action that when things were trouble, he would go and pray Turaqa to find the ease and the tranquility. How many of us put this into practice? All of us were guilty. All of us were guilty. And Allah knows best. Because when, at times when we get upset and get angry, or we're dealing with some type of stress on our lives, we don't look for the prayer as the first remedy for the stress reliever. Sometimes you want to go pop some type of painkiller or the likes. And other than that, why not do what the Prophet Sallallahu did? For he's the best example. And Allah Azza wa Jal is not going to legislate something that doesn't work or have no benefit. The Prophet Sallallahu was going to pray during those times. That was revelation from Allah to him to do that. 
That wasn't on his own accord. He just guessed it one day. No, this was revelation from Allah to him to relieve the worry or the stress by praying to Raqqa. The next matter is Ita'i Zakat and the payment of the Zakat. The start of the mention was Zakat Ruknun min Arkan al Islam kama fi had al Khabar. Fallallahu ta'ala fa in tabu wa aqamu salah. Excuse me, no, 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 yes. I think it's the other time. Fallallahu ta'ala. فَإِنْتَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةَ فَخَلُّوا سَبِيلَهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غُفُورُ رَحِيمٌ Allah states, for the scholar they mentioned that zakah is a pillar from the pillars of Al-Islam just as is mentioned in this narration. And as Allah the Most High, He stated, if they repent and they establish the prayer and they pay the zakah, they leave their way, meaning they are Muslims. Leave their way, indeed Allah is the all forgiving, most merciful. Another verse Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned, فَإِنْتَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَآتَوُ الزَّكَاءِ فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ And if they repent and establish the prayer, and they give the zakat, then they are your brothers in faith. So here, you'll find the salah and the zakat mentioned. And there are many texts you'll find the salah and the zakat mentioned together. They like go hand in hand. And this shows the importance of the zakat as you find it constantly being mentioned along with the salah. As for the zakat itself, then the scholars they mentioned that zakat is due upon gold and silver and that which takes its place, like the money. 85 grams of gold, 595 grams of silver. Zakat is also due on like the crops from the, the, the people they harvest. Zakat is also due on livestock, camels, cows, sheep, and the like. Zakat is also due on rural tijara, the business merchandise that has reached the level of the Nisar. So these are the four categories of wealth that zakat is due upon. And one can return back to the books of fit for the details. A point, Barakallah Fikul, one should not be negligent as it relates to the payment of the zakat. For the zakat is the right of Islam upon the wealth to be taken from the rich and given to the poor. And there are eight categories of zakat, the poor, the needy, and the difference between the two. The poor, the ulama, they say they are the ones who don't have anything. Al-fuqara. They don't have anything. As for the masakeen, those who are needy, they have something, but it's not sufficient. And that's many of the people's cases here in America. We have places to live. We have vehicles, we have jobs, but we live check to check. We have no savings. These people are needy. They have, but they still are needy. They don't have what's sufficient. 
Then you have those who collect the zakat, like in the lands of the Muslims, if that's something that is instituted. Then you have those who are in debt. The zakat money can be used to pay off debts for people. Then you have for the purpose of the bringing of the hearts together. And the scholar, they give an example. Say for instance, there are two tribes that are fighting. And it's an issue of blood money. But the zakat money can be used to pay the blood money to bring an end to the, 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 uh, the problem that's between the two tribes. Are they about to go to war? So the zakat money is used to bring the hearts of the people together. Also, some of the ulama, they mention that the zakat money can be used to attract the person's heart to Islam. A non-Muslim who is thinking about accepting Islam, and they may be going through some financial difficulty, we can give them from the zakat money to bring them into the deen. Also, the zakat money is for the, the wayfarer, wabnu sabil. The wayfarer is the one who has traveled to another land and lost all of his provisions and doesn't have any means to get back home. This individual can be given zakat. And this is not for the people who, you know, make it their business to go from masjid to masjid, right? And they need a, a, a ticket to go to Long Island, right? And then the person gets the money and then we see them half an hour later up in Harlem and the masjid is asking for the same money they already got from here. So this is, this is playing the game. And Allah Azzawajal knows the reality of the situation. And these people should be, they should be fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for those who gave, their reward is with Allah. Their reward will not be wasted. But the blame is upon those who lie to take the wealth of the Muslims. And they beg unnecessarily. And this begging without right or without need is from the things that Allah Azzawajal dislikes. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he stated, وَكَرِهَ لَكُمْ ثَلَاثٍ قِيلَ وَقَالْ وَكَثْرَةَ السُّؤَالِ وَإِضَاءَةَ الْمَالِ And the Prophet mentioned sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Allah dislikes for you three things. It was said and he said and he gossip. Allah, he, he dislikes gossip. And excessive questioning. كَثْرَةَ السُّؤَالِ Excessive questioning entails people asking questions that have no benefit. People asking questions to cause fitna between people. Another interpretation that has been given, excessive begging. People asking people for their money, and they have, they don't need. This falls under that category of kathrata su'al. And then the last matter is the wasting of wealth. Another point, the matter of Allah fikum, is that the zakat, as it relates to us, in most cases here in America, upon the wealth, it's the wealth that reaches the nasab, and an Islamic year passes over it. And this is very important, that it's not January to January. Rather, it's Muharram to Muharram, or Ramadan to Ramadan. 
And if your wealth has reached the Nisar in Muharram, you can't wait until Ramadan to pay. You gotta pay when Muharram comes. And this is a mistake of the people. A lot of times people, they pay their zakat in Ramadan, which is fine if your wealth reached the Nisar in the previous Ramadan. But to make Ramadan the month of paying zakat when you owe zakat prior to Ramadan coming, let's say you owe zakat in Rajab. Because this is the time now, the year has passed and it's Rajab. To delay paying the zakat is not befitting. This is not, this is not proper. Because this is a right that has to be fulfilled immediately. Because this is the right that Allah as has placed over the wealth. And it's not a thing that a person can wait when he wants to uh, pay the zakat and then pay it as he pleases. Rather, the zakat has to be paid when the year passes over the wealth. And it's 2.5%. So as an example, let's just say the zakat, the nisab is 4,000. 4, right? And you pay 2.5%. Once you have the 4,000 in your presence for the Islamic year. So you have to be mindful when your wealth reaches. You have to count. You have to be mindful. When your wealth reaches the nisab, and then what month it is with the Islamic calendar, and then you count the year to the next. And as it relates to, and this is a side point, the counting of affairs in Islam, we don't go by the Gregorian calendar. We go by the Hijri calendar. As an example, if a man divorces his wife, and may Allah protect your families and protect you from divorce, but if a man divorces his wife and she's menstruating, or rather, excuse me, she's not menstruating, she has to wait three months. Three months is not January, February, March. Three months is three months on the Hijri calendar. Very important. Very important because this is Ibadah here. We're talking about worship. We're talking about Ahkam, rules and regulations. So the people, they have to be mindful about this. Because upon, in, in, on the Hijri calendar, there is no month that has 31 days. On the Hindu calendar, the months are either 29 days or 30 days. There is no 31 uh, days, and there is no 28 days like in, uh, we have on the Gregorian calendar. So we have to be, be careful, and we have to adhere to these rules and regulations as Allah has legislated. Abu Bakr after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam there were individuals who stopped paying the zakat and some because of a misunderstanding, and that is they thought that the zakat was only supposed to be given to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, but being that he has passed away, then there's no more paying of the zakat. And then you had those who just denied the obligation of the zakat. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he fought against them to show that this is not a zakat, it's a serious affair. All of the pillars of Islam 
is a serious matter and one should not be negligent regarding But I'm mentioning this incident to show how serious the matter of zakat is. That when the people refuse to pay the zakat, Abu Bakr radiallahu an, he readied the army up to go to those people to get the zakat from them so that the, so that the zakat can be given to the poor. And wallahi, the, the zakat system is the solution for the economic problems in the different countries in the world. When the zakat uh, system is implemented, you see poverty slowly dwindling away. Because think about it, if we have, let's just say, we have 10 brothers in the community, and these 10 brothers, mashallah, they're almost millionaires. If they was to take their zakat money and give to brothers in the community, now these brothers take that zakat money and start opening up businesses, you're going to see eventually, to now, they're going to be in a position that they have to pay zakat. And we just keep doing this, empowering the next one, empowering the next one, empowering the next one, so eventually we just take the community out of poverty. But unfortunately, the stinginess, as the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned that the stinginess will destroy us. As he said, ثَلَاثٌ مُنْجِيَاتٌ مُهْلِكَاتٌ there are three things, thalatu muhlikat or thalatu munjiyat. There are three things that destroy a person, and there are three things that bring about salvation. He said, "Shufun mutaa, wa hawa mutabag, wa ijab al mar'i bi nafsihi." As for the three things that would destroy a person, miserliness, the stinginess that is obeyed. He obeys his stinginess. His stinginess tells him, don't pay zakat, save your money. Don't give sadaqah, save your money. So he's real stingy and niggardly over the wealth and he strives to protect that wealth so nothing will diminish from the wealth. The Prophet mentioned that the sadaqah does not decrease from your wealth. Yes, the, the number amount goes down, but the barakah of it, right, the barakah that's placed into the wealth, so it doesn't decrease, rather you increase in, in the good. Then you have uh, these evil desires that are followed. And then the last matter the Prophet mentioned, a, person, a person's self-admiration, a person is amazed with himself. He says something, then he thinks about it, he said, yeah, that was a nice statement I made, right? <laughs> person is amazed with him, so that would destroy a person, we have to be humble. And as for وَثَلَاثُونَ مُنْجِيَاتِ خَشَّتُ اللَّهِ فِي السِّرْهُ الْعَلَانِيَةِ The fear of Allah in privacy as well as in the open. وَالْقَصْفِ فِي الْفَقْرِ and being moderate in times of poverty and in times of richness and being just with the people in times when you are happy with them and being just with them in times when you are displeased with them these are the three things that will bring about salvation inshallah ta'ala we will stop at this point whatever is correct be praised is for Allah alone whatever is incorrect, it is from myself. Wa subhanaka allahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta staghfiruka wa atubu.